Well, good morning. How are we all doing this morning? Hey, that was warm. You know, it was a lot better than the online service. I'll be honest. Those people, they never respond. It's, it's terrible. Like, it's really tough to learn to preach. My name is Eddie. Thank you, Pastor Jesse, wherever you are, for that wonderful introduction. My wife, Sarah, is here with us. I'm, I'm honored to be a guest of yours. And I'll be honest with you, it's not a lot of trouble to leave Salt Lake City where I just was. 104 degrees, 0% humidity uh, for kids, and uh, to be able to get away and enjoy you guys. It's been an awesome, it's an honor. So, hey, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It's also going to be on the board, and we're going to have some fun together. But before we do that, let me pray for us, and that'll put us in the mood. Let the Spirit be with us, and then uh, we'll get going. Father God, thank you for the honor uh, it is to preach to Grace Church. What a wonderful amazing group of people I've had the opportunity to spend the time with. Lord, I've been talking with the pastors, the leaders, the, the, the ministry leaders, the elders for a few days, and so I pray for a provision over my voice that you would hold that up. But more importantly, Lord, that your word would be proclaimed, that anything that's uh, from me, would that just be discarded in, in their minds? And would, would anything that's from you, Lord God, would that root in their hearts, in their minds this morning? We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a gritty and gutsy faith. That's the title of uh, this message. Now, that's hard to do coming off of 2020. Now, I know you've sat through a lot of 2020-like sermons uh, over the last, and you're probably exhausted by that if you are anything like me, but you, we had some time on our hands, let's be honest. I mean, so where I'm from in San Francisco, they took the hoops off the basketball courts, and it was, it was it, I was stuck in my house. I didn't have a backyard. We just kind of hung out, and we kind of scrolled through Instagram a lot. I mean, let's be straightforward. So as I was coming through it, I found this awesome meme, which really does, it does share, it capture the essence of 2020, and it's this one here. It's like, 2020, you were like, I'm going to make an awesome sandwich, and I'm going to just, I'm going to delight in my sandwich. I'm going to use Iron Kids bread from the 90s, and I'm going to make it, and then all of a sudden, it's backwards. That's, that's 2020 if it was a sandwich, right? It's terrible. Now, let's, let's, now let's kind of get a little bit more... Uh, granular in what happened, mental health, a big issue, and I know you guys walked through that for some time. Anxiety, depression, I'm someone who suffers from, or I have suffered from in the past, clinical anxiety, it's, it's tough. A lot of people struggling, a lot of hard things going on. Um, then there was a little election that took place, you know, was political divide, I don't know if you heard of it, little political divide, people a little, people a little upset at one another, right? There's conflict happening. Thanksgiving dinner didn't taste the same this year, right? It was very difficult to eat grandma's turkey knowing, like, she disagreed. Like, and she, she was writhing in anger at you. It's just, that's the way it was. And then we also had racial strife and conflict, protesting, all this horrible stuff happening. Best Buy's looted, Walgreens looted, all of this stuff. Horrible things, tremendous injustice happening in the community. Put our community, our people at odds. I know that happened locally here in La Mesa. Tough. Oh, and then there was this really small thing that happened overseas throughout this year. It was a, a global pandemic. Not a big deal. But there was a large swath of sickness that also took place that was really difficult for people over this past year, wasn't there? 2020. Terrible. Oh, but it's not 2020 anymore, right? I mean, it's July. It's past, it's past the midway point, and we're still talking about that year. But it's 2021 now. It's 2021 now. And as much as the hardships of 2020 have hit us there it does come a time, and maybe it's time for you now, to look forward to what's coming. Do you know, actually, it's in moments like this throughout history where we have been most afraid, 
when we have the outlook was most uncertain, that actually the church of Jesus has actually flourished in, in the community. Did you know, do you know that? It's actually in hardship and difficulty when that's taking place. You know, after Jesus died and resurrected and he left, there was about 100 plus people hanging out in an upper room. And that was the extent of the people that believed in Jesus. And in only a few short years, about 100 years, we've got hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people worshiping Jesus as God. The church flourished even in the midst of hardship. Persecution, martyrdom. Martyrdom is when people die for their faith, right? Even death. All of these things, very terrible. None of them could stop the spreading of God's church. None of them. Even death. The Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? For the believer, for those who are in Christ, maybe some of you are like, man, I'm not there yet. That's totally cool. Hopefully by the end of this, you, you might decide Jesus is for you. But nonetheless, for those who are in Christ, you can say, oh, death, where is your sting? Mark Sayers is a sort of a cultural prophet out of Australia, and he has a book called Reappearing Church. I recommend that to you, but here's what he says in moments like this. A study of history shows that it is precisely moments like this when the church appears to be sliding into an inalterable decline, when culture is shaken by upheaval, when the world globalizes, opening up new frontiers and fostering chaos and change, that God decides to move again. We, friends, us, actually, don't think about the church as if it's out there. We are church. We are in the precipice of an opportunity for deep influence for the community at large, for people, for our own hearts and our own lives. We may feel pressured, but it's actually pressure has always been present in the times of the flourishing of the church, individually and communally. So what does that bring us? Philippians chapter three. Well, Paul you may know him, he's, he's written a large portion of the New Testament. Paul writes this letter from jail, and it is one of your all-time pump-up speeches. Okay, So if you watched Rocky, all five Rockies, not the last one's terrible, but if you watch the other five all back-to-back, -back, you would write this, right? Or you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit like Paul. And, all, and Paul writes this amazing thing. Now Paul, is, he's imprisoned. He's potentially facing execution for his faith in Jesus and his proclamation of the gospel. So Paul's, ball, Paul's back is against the wall. He has every reason to throw the towel in, so to speak, on Jesus. Remember, he just watched Rocky. Throw the towel in on his faith. He could have done that. Or at the very least, maybe he was confused, angry, or stressed out. Maybe you find yourself in a season like that this morning. Maybe you feel like, man, you know what? I've been trying this, this Christian thing, or I've given it a shot. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it seems a little odd to me. I just don't know if I'm in line with it. Or maybe, you know, you've been beaten down by the things I talked about, mental health, racial injustice, all of the, the problems in society that are really harming you, bringing pain to your spirit, and you go, man, I just don't know if I can continue. I understand and I sympathize with you, the stress, the anger, and the depression. But like Paul, all great things in life are worth battling for. All good things are worth laying it on the line for. And there is no greater prize, friends, than a new life in Christ Jesus that moves you forward in your faith and in your walk. Now, you may be saying, hey, I'm not a Christian. I disagree with you. I, I get that. And hopefully by the end, you'll, you'll kind of get where I'm coming from in this. Grace Church, got a tour of it. Um, saw, the, saw the space. I didn't go up to the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame Tower. Uh, my, wife, my wife was like campaigning for me to go up there and like take a look and ring the bell, you know, hear ye. And I, I don't know if there's a bell up there, but... Um, I saw the building and I thought, man, 100 plus years of history of a church. Not a lot of us are 100 years old. 
100 years is a long time, particularly in America, okay? I mean, the oldest thing I've been to is like an old Applebee's near the corner of my house. Like it's, we are not cultured in America, right? 100 years of history. What are we going to do for the next 100 years? How are we going to ensure that this church continues forward for another century off the backs of the people in this room? It is not a given that a church continues because it has a footprint in a large city. These things every day are bulldozed. Church fade away. 80% of churches plateaued and declining in the United States, not counting COVID. And all of a sudden they're gone, and all of a sudden you've got a high-rise with condos. How do we ensure a church that's mobilized with good people continues forward into the future? How do you keep going? Well, Paul has an answer for us. Let's go to um, the next, well, sorry about that. Yeah, let's go to the next one there. Here it is. Here's our first point. Don't believe the lie that you've arrived. Don't believe the lie that you've made it, okay? Paul knew that growing in Jesus, becoming a more sanctified version of yourself as a church and individually is gonna take some work, okay? I don't know if you know this, but being alive longer doesn't equal more maturity. Experience and maturity, not synonyms, okay? In fact, the oldest among us will tell you that. They've got friends that are 90 years old who are like, man, that guy is not mature. Like, he, is, he is crazy, okay? Like, we, they've got friends like that. It is not the same. We don't get to all of a sudden become more holy in our walk with Jesus just because we're alive longer. And we say we've become a Christian or we've become more educated and more intellectual. Now, Paul's in the process of writing to the church of Philippi, and he desperately wants to obtain the saving faith in Christ for himself. And he's motivating Philippi, these people, this church, to do the same, to go attain that faith. You do have to press forward. You do have to continue. You do have to work for it. Verse 12, Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Hey, the apostle Paul is saying, I haven't obtained fully the resurrection of faith. Let that sink in for a second. I don't know about you, Apostle Paul, up here, Eddie, hey, knock, down here. Right part of the Bible, pretty faithful, okay? Like, likes to play video games? Yeah. Like, Paul's saying, I have not obtained it, but he says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now, let me say, and maybe you may be thinking, this really just flies in the face of modern pop psychology. Anything you would turn on the TV for or flip onto a YouTube channel for, you might get this sort of message. You are perfect. You've got it together. You don't need to change. All you need to do is realize the greatness within you. And if you realize the greatness is within you, then you will flourish and become who you were always meant to be. The answer is inside of you. That's the answer. But Paul's saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm still pressing forward for it. The answer isn't in here. It's, it's there by the power of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Now, let me just say a message like this, you are perfect, that's a heck of a message for some of us this morning. Because some of us are saying, after this last 2020, I know for a fact I don't have it in me. I was alone for 12 months. It ain't here. I'm more depressed. I've gained addictions. I'm more stressed out. I've broken relationships. The answer's not in there. That's a heck of a message for people who realize they've come to the end of their rope. But Paul's not giving that message. He shows a gritty faith. Now, verse 12 really could say, when he says, he says, I press on, that word there, press on, could really say seize. We've seen a lot of old military movies. The idea of seizing. He's conjuring up military imagery. That he's being taken by force. 
He is taking the resurrection of Jesus by force like Jesus seized Paul. You know, Paul's story is he persecuted Christians. He oversaw the murders of lots of Christians, and he took great pleasure in doing that. Well, on the road one day to Damascus, Jesus decides, I'm going to show up. And Paul falls off his horse, and Paul, he says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And, which was his name at the time. And then he goes blind. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like seizing to me, okay? Like if, if, if any of you were to show up and say, you need to listen to me, and I go, no, and you snap your fingers and I'm blind for three days, I'm like, okay, well, now I have nothing to do but listen, so why don't you go ahead and tell, right? Like, and so Paul's like, uh, okay, well, I'm not going anywhere now, so Jesus, what do I need to know? Paul becomes a Christian. He was seized. For those of you that are believers in here this morning, when were you seized by God? When did God take you by force? When did he overcome your spirit and your soul and motivate you towards goodness? When did that happen? Remember that faith and press forward to make the resurrection of the faith, your faith, your own, as Jesus made you his own. Now again, this is gonna fly in the face of modern new age thinking, right? Positive thinking means you've made it. All I gotta do is think positively. When you evolve to a higher state of consciousness, then you've made it. And Paul here, again, his warning, a declaration to the super spiritual, even among us, that the greatest of us don't have it figured out yet. That's a good message. Because then he says this, number two, forget what lies behind you. So don't believe the lie that you have arrived. Forget what lies behind you. Paul's going to turn up the intensity here a little bit. Okay? He, he, cranks, he cranks the stereo, so to speak. And he says this in verse 13. Brothers, writing again to the church, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Paul recognizes the need to grow in Christ is the catalyst for his faith, but he realizes that there's work to do, and the work begins with forgetting. First order of business, okay? He decides not to allow his past to keep him from obtaining the faith, the resurrection faith of Jesus. Now, I think a lot of us already know that all of the bad stuff that's happened to us, if we dwell on it, it makes us worse, right? I think we all get that. And yet, <laughs> right, we do it. Like we dwell on, man, if I had just made this decision, I wouldn't be in this spot. If I had just taken that job, if I had just moved across the country, if I had just gotten the courage to walk up to her at prom, if I had just done these things, if I hadn't gotten into that first bottle of liquor, if I hadn't said that to my child, maybe our relationship would still be together. And we're dwelling on the negative, horrifying things that we feel like we've done. But then there's also things that have been done to us. See, we can sin, but you know, you can be sinned against. And sometimes our parents weren't good parents. I did not grow up in a good home. My father was psychologically abusive. He left my family when I was nine years old. My mother passed away of cancer when I was 13. We grew up generationally impoverished communities. It was not good. And I sympathize with you if your story is like that, where you've had sin done to you. And yet Paul here is saying, forget what lies behind. We understand that the bad of our stories can hold us back in the past. But did you know the good of our past can hold us back as well? Did you know the positive things can hold you back from progressing in your Christian faith or even taking the leap to serve in a church, going forward and being a good dad, being a good mother, being a good student? Do you know that's possible? 
we have the nostalgia. You know, you listen to the good old days. You remember the music. You put a little music. You're like, oh, man, remember college? We were just wiling out beer keg stands. It was a good time. You're thinking back to all these fun memories that you've had. Maybe you're a Christian and you weren't a Christian. Like, like me, I became a Christian at 18. And you remember a life without Jesus. You go, man, without all these rules, it was so much easier. I remember being able to just kind of do my thing. I don't remember all this stress. The good old days, the nostalgia. And we're thinking about those things. Did you know that sometimes you can get camped out in those memories and forget to progress forward? Even the good. You may say things like this, even in the bad, you may say, man, I've tried everything, I can't change. You ever said that? I tried everything. Someone saying, no, you've gotta keep, I've tried everything, I'm not growing. I, I, I'm not changing, I give up. Instead of being ashamed, I'm just gonna be shameless. Who cares? Or this one, I've always been like this. We use words like always and never and then paint with a broad brush on our entire past. I've always been like this. Oh, you, you, you fall into something continually over and over? I've always been like this. I can't grow. Oh, the word can't. I can't change. I will never change. Or my personal favorite that I like to use. This kind of thing always happens to me. It's not about what you do. It's about what happens to you that defines you. Hard stuff. Question. How many of you are allowing your past to freeze you in time so you can't evolve or change and become, God who, become who God wants you to be? How many are you allowing your past to freeze you? When did you begin to define yourself by what you do? Don't you understand that the message of the gospel is not about what you do, it's about what he's done in you? And that's exactly the story of Paul. You see that? Athleticism, athleticism. Put your kids in sports, put your kids in sports. We got some fans on up here because this is an old Baptist church. Um, and so we're, so Paul's feeling the exact same way. Paul is in this exact same spot, and nonetheless, he is here telling us that we've got to move forward. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying your past doesn't matter, because that's not true. Your past does matter, and your past does make you who you are. The good of your, and bad of your past is important, but here's the point. Remember the past, but don't live there. Remember it, learn from it, grow in it, but don't live there. Don't take a 30-year mortgage out in your past and get golden handcuffs at a company and make friends in the community and root your family in the past of your life. God's asking you to move forward because it's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done. When did you begin to define yourself? Next thing Paul says, forget what lies behind you, strain forward. Strain forward for what lies ahead. Now, Paul shifts from the past and begins to focus in on the future. Here's verse 13. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead. Again, teenagers. Strain means you have to work, okay? You're gonna have to strain forward for your faith. Again, the God is not a magic genie who grants you Christian faith and you automatically begin to grow in your faith. You actually does require a working for, a progression toward your faith. And you'll find, by the way, it's difficult to progress, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. This language of strain, it, it, you know what you don't strain for? The remote on the couch next to you, okay? So that's not your faith, Christian faith. Whoop, 
right? Like, I'm done, okay? Or your iPhone to flip your, you know, TikTok video, haha, <laughs> cultural reference, right? Like, I'm, it's, 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 very, it's not like that. It's very, very difficult and straining. Genesis chapter 3 talks about the thorns and the thistles being produced by the world, and that by the sweat of our brow, brow we will produce work. It's very difficult because this world is hard. It's sinful. It's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to push through it. There's an old phrase, though, that says this. Rest too long and the weeds take your garden. Some of you gardeners know. Rest too long and the weeds take your garden. It's one thing to grab some rest. It's another thing to always rest. And when we're working towards in our faith, you must press forward in your faith or you have nothing but weeds left. And some of us feel like we're in that space right now. What else do we need to do? Here's Paul's, here's Paul's next thing. And he says, it, it's, it's a hard word. So we strain forward for what lies ahead. Now we're going to have to press forward into the unknown. Now that's not that reassuring, okay? Because you just told me to forget my past, look to the future, and then you're telling me now the future is unknown. Paul's using, gonna use military language to conjure up images of battle in the minds of the people in Philippi. So verse 14, he says, I press on, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. As we know, coming out of 2020, this life is gonna bring a few things. Suffering, stress, hardship, perhaps even death. And again, I wanna sympathize with you for those of you that have had death recently in the family. I have as well. And it is not easy, and it is not an image and a vision of what God's world that he created for us. It is hard to see that. But Paul nonetheless says, press forward nonetheless. And you might say, who is Paul to tell me to press forward? Does he know what I've been through? Like, my family has passed away, I lost my job, or I've got friends and family. You don't understand what's going on up here and how difficult this has all been. Let me tell you a little bit of what happened to Paul. Paul was wrongfully imprisoned a few times. I don't know if you've ever been to jail. Like, if you were to say, hey, Eddie, what's your, like, biggest fear? It would be wrongfully imprisoned in a, like, solitary confinement, right? Robbing people of of community and talking and relationship from away from your families, horrible, wrongfully imprisoned. The guy was jumped. He was beaten, he was broken down, wally mopped, whatever language you wanna use. He was taken out many times. He was beaten unconscious, stoned, not California stoned, but stoned like with rocks, okay? Like in the head, knocked unconscious, got up, or thrown outside of the city wall, got up and went back in the wall to keep preaching. He was taken captive. He was also shipwrecked. I don't know if you've been a shipwreck. Probably not a great experience, right? He also oversaw the murder of Stephen the martyr and many other people. And so then he became a Christian and had to deal with the guilt and shame of doing something so heinous and horrible. So it's not just that Paul did bad things, it's that he also had bad things done to him and then had to live with that on his conscience. Does this sound familiar? And Paul's doing that. And he understands that we still have a responsibility to continue forward in the gift of the resurrection of Jesus even when it's hard. Now some will sit back and say, and that's some of us, this is my story. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not bearing the responsibility of pressing forward unless I know the outcome of where I'm going. Because if I don't know the outcome of where I'm headed, I am not going. But that's not the call of Jesus. 
Jesus' call is to go forth. Where, God? Forth. And make disciples. Where? Many nations. Which one? All of them. Well, that doesn't narrow it down. And now we're just sitting there like, oh my God, what do I do? His call is to go. God often asks us to jump before he gives us the parachute. And we say we need clarity before we can press forward into our faith. Clarity before I press forward even when I'm unsure in my faith. And I would say to you, clarity is actually the reward of pressing forward, not the prerequisite of pressing forward in your faith. So many of us don't know that, that we think we need clarity to go and follow God, but actually clarity is the gift that comes after following him. This is a really important point. Now you may be saying, Paul still doesn't understand what we're going through. Our world is broken. There is social injustice. There is looting happening. We've got politics ruining the world, global pandemics, people are dying, mental health issues. You don't understand wars taking place overseas. He doesn't understand this world is broken. It needs reconciliation. Paul says there's a prize. When we press forward in the unknown, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? The reconciled world we seek is the prize. You say, I can't go follow Jesus because there's too much hardship, it's too broken, it's too lost. Actually, when you worship Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus, by the way, was a humble man, lived a perfect life, died a death that was meant for us. In his death, he rose three days later, conquering sin, death, Hell, whoever believes in that Jesus will have their sin removed from them, the sin that they've done, the sin that's been done to them. It will be placed on Jesus. Jesus will grant us his perfect righteousness before God. That's the story. And one day, Jesus comes back to redeem, renew, restore the world. All of the hard, broken things that we've been experiencing in 2020, it's hard to believe now, but those things are going to go away when Jesus comes back. When you participate in the family of God and you get to understand that Jesus can do these things for you, you will get to be present with that. The body that you have right now that's sick, that's broken, that's lost, that's anxious, that's got stomach problems, those bodies are gonna be redeemed, renewed, and you're gonna have a new life in Christ Jesus. And you will see the world for what it is intended to be. Now the answers, the hopes of this world, I understand are, are really noble. We use political change, and sometimes we must. We use, can't, we use actions. We, we press, we call out bad behavior. We've got things like cancel culture on Twitter, and we're like, if I can just get enough evils, people canceled, then the world will finally go back to the way it was supposed to be. And unfortunately, there's never going to be, a, a, there's never going to be an end of evil people because all of us stand against as enemies as God. It just, it's part of our human nature. But in Christ, we have this ability to then see him redeem, renew, and restore the world back to its original intentions. It's fantastic. Verse 15 says this. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Okay? Let, let the mature of us believe that. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Again, maturity and experience not the same. Watching a lot of YouTube does not help you become more mature. Not always. Okay? 
Sometimes we actually have to work at our grow and begin to think about the things of God and not about the things of the world that can potentially solve these problems. Really, though, I think maturity means you've been humbled. I think really it means that you've eventually come to the end of yourself and gone, you know what, actually, we don't have the answers. And we, I think we probably do need to look to an eternal answer beyond ourselves. That is maturity. Now, Paul closes and gives us the ending result of those who strive for this renewed, reconciled prize in Jesus. Here's verse 18. There's some people that do strive for the prize, and there's some people that do not. Verse 18. For many of whom, for many of whom I have told you, and now tell you even with tears, Paul, so Paul's here crying in prison, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. And with minds, with minds set on earthly things. So Paul with tears, by the way, he's not being a big meanie. Paul's trying to say this is the outcome when we focus in on ourselves. We don't grow, we stay stagnant, and we just try to solve the problems in and amongst our own selves and not look to an eternal solution. He's saying this is what happens. People will be separated from God, and it's hard. But God doesn't call us to have all the answers in our arrogance. He actually calls us to press forward in humility, learning along the way and hoping that he provides. And then verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, get this, our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself, the spirit. Here we get the prize, those broken bodies, some of you coming in on canes, broken, fractured ankles, foots, mental health. My wife's grandmother's in the hospital right now. These broken bodies, the ones that get sick, the ones that hate each other, the ones that don't like each other's skin or differ because of their theology, those bodies, those are gonna go away and a new resurrected body is going to come. And those bodies don't get sick and they don't die because they're like Jesus' body. Now let me tell you this, a secular life without Jesus will not make that promise for you. It will not. You may feel like you can make slow progress in your community by engaging politics, tweeting at people, trying to be a good person on your own, but I'll tell you what, you'll be chasing your spiritual tail for a long time because deep down you're trying to solve God-sized problems with man-sized solutions. Believe in the real Jesus who gives us real meaning in real hope. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we preach nothing but Christ crucified. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the wonderful weather and the, the common gifts you've bestowed on us today, Lord. It's, it's amazing to be here with Grace Church and the wonderful people I've had an opportunity to meet. I'm thankful for an opportunity to serve them, to care for them, to love them. And I pray over this church that in the next 100 years, even though 2020 was the start, that this is the year that things change. And that in, in, in 20, what would that be, 2120, that another church is still here and new people with a new vision for you is on fire and is doing great things in San Diego as it is in heaven. In his name, amen. Amen.